Do you find that you tend to put other people's needs above your own? Today, we're talking about codependency and how it can affect your relationships. If you'd like to find out more about how you can improve your relationships or create more fulfilling relationships, head over to therelationshipmaze.com, press subscribe right now, and on our website, you can also take our free argument style quiz. Welcome to today's podcast, and today we're talking about codependent relationships. Yeah, this codependency is a term that I hadn't actually heard of before on my counseling training and uh, psychotherapy training, and I, I don't think it's a sort of term that's used in this field, but it's a term that um, is often used by quite casually. And usually uh, it relates to this idea of being uh, in a relationship where you are very reliant and over needy. And I think it's an interesting concept, codependency, because it touches on many different areas of psychotherapy, of this field. So it uh, touches on areas to do with self-esteem, self-worth. It touches on the area of um, attachment styles, having an insecure attachment style. It also, I think, is relevant in the whole discussion around trauma and being in abusive relationships, for example. So codependency kind of touches on all of these areas. And we sort of try to we're going to try to unpack it a little bit today. Yeah, absolutely. And just like you said, I think when I trained originally in the 90s, again, the word codependency, I don't think was really used. It's no. maybe more recently come into uh, dominance. It's used quite a lot now, I think, just mm. generally. Um, but yeah, but one of the challenges is if you get into relationships and you're always putting the other person's needs above yours or feel it's more feeling you have to, mm. um, then we never are going to have our needs met. And we can get into very unhealthy relationships that ultimately are unsatisfying and frequently maybe abusive as well. Yeah, because codependency entails um, a whole set of behavior patterns, doesn't it? And just before we go into that, <clears throat> I think it's really important to emphasize that uh, that every couple in every relationship or every person has dependency needs. So there's nothing wrong with having dependency needs. Um, actually, you know, we're all needy. We all have needs. Um, there, That is a sign also of a healthy relationship. We have to be able to rely on our partner, trust our partner, etc. But when we're talking about codependency, we're talking about something else here, aren't we? We are kind of talking about the idea of completely uh, almost denying your own needs. And, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I, I think that's the thing is that sometimes it may be used a little casually. Mm. And I think, you know, this again comes from popular psychology books where mm -hmm. suddenly everyone seems to be codependent if they if they have any needs mm -hmm. um, and sometimes casually it maybe is used a little bit where you know somebody is seen as needy or dependent upon another person when you know like you said we have needs and mm -hmm. sometimes um, you know from it from talking from people I've experienced working with and and other situations, you know, sometimes someone who's abusive may call the other person needy mm -hmm. when in fact they just have needs for being loved or kind of having care shown for them. Absolutely. Yeah, because it's used. I mean, it's interesting, isn't it? Uh, we could have a long conversation about that, too. Um, I think we're living in a society where the idea of independence is prized above all. And the idea of, you know, we mustn't actually be ever dependent on anyone else. 
Um, so the term needy is used quite a lot and always has these very negative connotations. Um, so just to be clear that there's nothing wrong with having needs. And actually, on the contrary, it's really important that you know what your needs are in a relationship and you're able to ask for these needs because somebody who is codependent um, usually struggles to identify their needs. They usually don't quite know what it is that's good for them. They don't quite know what it is that makes them feel cherished or looked after or loved in a relationship. Yeah, absolutely. And, and codependency is much more than, because sometimes think of clinginess as mm -hmm. codependency. And, mm. and again, what is clinginess? Because mm. to one person who's avoidant, any real kind of over signs of affection might be seen as being clingy. Mm -hmm. Whereas other people, you know, you, you might want to spend a lot of time together, but it's not really clinginess. No. Um, but it's codependency is more than clinginess. It's where one partner needs the other person and they in turn need to be needed. So this mm. is like a circular relationship, which mm. is often called the cycle of codependency. Mm. Um, and, and this is the thing is that a codependent self-esteem is very much built up and their self-worth is worth is built up from making sacrifices, um, sacrificing themselves for their partner. Mm. And a partner in turn is really happy to receive these sacrifices. Yeah, so I think that the, per definition with codependency, we're talking about somebody who is actually defining themselves, whose sense of self-worth or self-structure is defined through another person. So they have no strong sense, they have no strong ego, they have no strong sense of self. They're kind of entirely uh, reliant in their structure uh, on their partner, basically. So they would, for example, really struggle with um, decision-making, would always look at their partner to, to, to see, is this the right decision? Is this what I should be doing? Um, they would never be quite sure whether they are saying or thinking or feeling the right thing. So there always needs this kind of external, there needs to be this external validation from others. They haven't quite got a, 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 their own sense of being able to judge what's right and what's wrong, what feels okay. Yeah, and they frequently numbed this down so much from mm. experience. So, I mean, and maybe it's not, sometimes I think it's even beyond knowing if it's right or wrong what they're mm. saying, but actually just not having that awareness because they've had to suppress it so much in the past. Mm. Because often, you know, often this develops from our own situation in life in terms of how we grew up. Mm. So in families, so if we... Um, had parents, for example, who made made it very, very severely showed us that we should never put our own needs first. Or parents where maybe a parent was an addict, mm. whether that's alcohol or drugs, um, which I experienced myself when I was growing up. My dad you know, would, would drink a lot, my parents would argue a lot, and there was this whole sense of almost just having to put my needs away to try and look after them to mm. save them. Mm. So you know, that, that was a powerful experience. And actually, for me, it was in my early 20s when I went to a therapist uh, and they said one thing that really stuck with me, which was asking me, how much do I compare the importance of being able to give love with receiving love? Mm. And for me, it had always been about I just have to give love. Mm. Yes. I never thought about, actually, I'm entitled to receive love and it should be a balance. Mm. And I think that's such a powerful thing is actually thinking, you know, how do we compare? Like, how, how worthy do we feel of both? How, how much do we feel we can give love and receive love equally and that we're worthy to receive love? Mm. And I think very frequently when we grow up and we put our own needs aside, that sense of actually, no, 
I'm also worthy of love. And it's not just about only guessing love, because mm. that's where you can be on the opposite mm. side of no, the no. dependent relationship. But it's it's about knowing that, you know, you give love, but you're also entitled to receive it. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, and it's interesting um, because most of the clients, a lot of the clients I have worked with who identified uh, codependency uh, as uh, an experience, they were the children of very narcissistic parents. I mean, I'm saying very narcissistic, not necessarily narcissistic in terms of um, psychopathology, but in, in terms of that kind of presentation, parents who were very preoccupied with themselves who weren't available to their child as you say where the child has has learned to kind of really tune and always kind of catch the parent when they could where they could get a little scrap of attention from the parent then you know they they would feel validated and loved so this is a sort of pattern very often um, with somebody who presents as codependent in relationships where they've had this experience uh, this experience with their parent with very unavailable um, parents Yes, I think it links very much in my mind to when we talked about uh, transactional analysis in an earlier podcast mm. and the the please others driver. So, you know, when we have that person who is always putting their needs second or doesn't even think about their own needs is like this extreme please others mm. where you have to please the other person. Mm. Yeah, it, absolutely. That's one way of uh, manifestation. It can also be um, it can also uh, be experienced very much as a, a, an anxious, preoccupied uh, attachment style and all the behaviors that come with that. So, if you're very insecure in relationships, then um, you might also have some controlling behaviors yourself if you're codependent. So you might become very over anxious that your partner is never available to you. And therefore, you constantly check, are they still here? Do they still love me? Do they still care for me? Um, so you're always, you're always kind of checking with your partner um, whether they're actually uh, present for you. Because ultimately, the underlying belief, of course, is that they're not available to you and that you're not lovable. Yeah, absolutely. And, and this is actually where it might be, I think, useful to compare and contrast some of the characteristics between someone who might be codependent and a mm. relationship where there's codependency and mm. uh, relationships where there's maybe dependency mm -hmm. to some extent. Mm -hmm. And I'm talking about healthy dependency. Mm -hmm. So in a codependent relationship, the codependent person uh, is generally going to feel pretty much worthless unless they feel or experience that they're needed by. And part of that is actually making these huge sacrifices for the person who is the enabler. Mm -hmm. And, and the person who is enabling gets that satisfaction because they're having all of their needs met by the other person. Mm -hmm. And this sort of sense of happiness comes uh, for the codependent when they're making these sacrifices. Uh, they feel that they need to be ha they need to be needed by the other person to have a purpose. But mm -hmm. but ultimately, although it might give you some sense of happiness, it's not really happiness. And, you know, mm. I've experienced this in my own life as well. It's sort of that need to kind of please somebody else or feel you have to go out your way because you're really wanting something that might be love or being needed. Mm. But ultimately, it, 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 does, it never gets satisfied. No, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah, so there's a sort of, um, the kind of different patterns that play out there. I mean, what, what you're de describing this uh, is also what we call in couples therapy enmeshment, this idea that um, 
you can't almost, you can't see yourself separate from your partner. You and your partner are one. And it's interesting because that's obviously also something that we get told is a good thing, right? That's a sort of mythology about love, that you feel like you're one with your partner. But if you are just one all of the time without any kind of differentiation, without any kind of sense of your own self, then that becomes problematic. Well, yeah, I think actually I'm just putting just a slightly kind of grey area on yeah, that. Yeah, yeah, go. I, I feel that you can have a sense of being one with your partner, but also mm. having your own life. Yeah. But overall, it's like that sort of yin and yang symbol that is mm. circling the outside that... You know, when you have a committed relationship, you can always, whenever you're with somebody else, in the mm. back of your mind or at some level, there's that sense that you know you have that connection, that grounding, that secure base with this person, even if you're not really thinking about them. So it's like there sure. is this unity, of but course. it's not where you ha- where you need to always kind of be doing stuff with them or kind of this needs which is like a slightly different sort of thing. Do you no, 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 absolutely. I, and I agree with you. It's just I think it becomes problematic when you can only think in terms of we. Yeah. We, 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 rather than I. Yeah. Uh, two separate eyes or, you know, where, where you can't distinguish anymore between where you end and the other person starts, where it all kind of becomes one and the same. That's when it becomes really problematic. Yeah, absolutely. But I, I think you can have that sense of of being like a unit at sure. one level, but also be I within that. Yeah, it's yeah. both, absolutely. Yeah. So it's it's got to be both. Yeah, we could talk about that in another podcast. Well, yeah, and we, we, you know, yeah, I think I talked about it in the podcast on differentiation, this yeah. idea of that you have to have separateness in the relationship, but you also have to have togetherness. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. and following this up, just comparing that, uh, what we just talked about, with um, whether there is, you know, in, in relationships that are healthier, both people have needs and they, to some extent, may sometimes rely on each other a little bit for mm. support and love. They, mm. they, you know, we, we can have our needs met by our partner and that's fine. Mm. That can be healthy. Mm. But both people find value in the relationship. Mm. There's not this drive to have to do these things because we're seeking something else. Yes, absolutely. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And yeah. No, go on. And another another example with codependency, comparing codependency with dependency, would be a codependent person, generally, they struggle with that sense of their own identity, just mm-hmm. like you spoke mm-hmm. about, mm-hmm. like where there might be the enmeshment. Mm-hmm. Um, then frequently won't really have interests or any values outside of a relationship because the relationship has become the focus of their life. So they've lost sight of those other things in life where they really can find meaning. Mm -hmm. Whereas in a a healthy relationship where, you know, we may say there's some dependency there, you know, both parties make their relationship a priority, Mm -hmm. but at the same time able to find joy in other interests and being with other friends Mm -hmm. and engaging in your own hobby. So that, like you said, it's that sort of I not that it's always that it's we. Mm. Yeah, because it's sort of it. It presupposes that you can, uh, that you have a strong sense of who you are as a person. That you have a, a strong sense of identity. That you can identify what it is that you enjoy, what you want to do, etc. Rather than always looking the other way. I mean, having said that, I think with codependency, there's sort of different patterns that play out. I mean, there can be these. Um, extreme uh, dependency patterns that are very unhealthy, which are based in very low self-esteem. I can only be a good person through definition, through 
identification with my partner. Um, but they can also be quite controlling, as I said, controlling patterns as part of the codependency as well. Because if you're so insecure and so unsure uh, about your partner, if you're so re over-reliant on your partner, then you can become quite uh, obsessed about your partner as well, constantly checking that uh, they're there. You might sort of overload them with gifts and attention all of the time, for example. Um, you might become quite resentful when they seem to be spending too much time with other people, so you might become quite jealous, for example. Um, so you have, you sort of feel that you, um, that, um, that ultimately um, your partner also can't be without you, become quite obsessed with that. So that's one extreme, or they can also be very avoidant patterns with codependence. Um, because ultimately codependency is a manifestation of an insecure attachment. So that can also kind of mean that you kind of become quite, um, that you avoid any kind of emotion, real emotional connection with your partner, um, any kind of real uh, intimacy with your partner. Um, you um, allow addictions, for example, in the relationship, and very often codependents are in relationships with people who have addiction problems. Um, so that's quite a common presentation, and and you kind of you kind of believe also you convey the sense of that any kind of display of emotions is um, is a sign of weakness. So that can be another pattern that plays out with codependency. Yeah, absolutely. And I, th I think we can relate that maybe to the drama triangle that we mm -hmm. talked about in another podcast mm -hmm. where you know, we have the persecutor, the rescuer and the victim. And there's mm -hmm. this relationship, a dynamic between them. Mm -hmm. Now, although you might think about there's three different positions, mm -hmm. I think in a codependent relationship, um, both parties may move between all of these different positions mm -hmm. to some extent. Mm -hmm. Um, so someone may be kept in the victim state by mm -hmm. the person who sees themselves as the rescuer. Yeah by constantly not allowing them to do anything for themselves. Mm -hmm. And to some extent may in fact be, be becoming a persecutor because they're pushing them into mm -hmm. this role, Absolutely. almost forcing them to. Yeah. Um, but the person in the victim role who wants the other person to do the things, again, is in that, set, that, that position of disempowerment. Mm -hmm. And it's only by allowing that victim to see and kind of realise that they have that independence, they have that empowerment to take action themselves, that they can move out of that position. Mm -hmm. But the rescuer is trying to keep them there, or like I said, it could be the rescuer or persecutor, I think, mm. in different perspectives. No, absolutely. I mean, it's interesting because sometimes these positions are kind of quite interchangeable as mm. well, aren't they, in, yeah. in, in codependent relationships? Yeah, Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, a classic example I've seen, I think we see more and more these days is maybe with some parents that do everything for their kids mm. and if there's the slightest thing where they're worried about their kid like falling over getting a graze or you know just a tiny tiny thing or their child needs something and they go totally out of the way to go and get this item even if they can't afford it or mm. if mm. it means traveling 100 miles to get this one thing for their child that they don't really need mm. that the child's seen on telly and they kind of say they want mm. Um, we may put the this per, the child into that situation where we form this codependent relationship mm. because they can't trust, they can't learn to fall, so to speak. Um, yeah, you don't allow the child also well to learn to be independent, to stand on their own two feet, and also to learn from their mistakes. Yeah, and we need to learn that you know we have to be responsible for certain things in our own life. Yeah. Um, you know, there are certain, you know, feeling we have to do everything for somebody else can really disenable them. Yeah. 
And it's not that we can't sometimes, because I think it's great. You know, you buy something very special or you do something special for somebody else is, is wonderful. Mm -hmm. But it's always having to do that all of the time. And where that person becomes dependent, that they're going to receive these things without actually investing their own energy into things sometimes. Mm -hmm. I think that can be quite quite a challenging, quite a, um unhealthy sort of dynamic. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Yeah, so with... Um, with there's sort of various so i'm i'm kind of lo I'm, lo I'm i'm losing the thread a little bit because there's so many different areas that uh, codependency touches on that we could go into um i think one thing i wanted to also come back to because i think it's it's really important is um the area of trauma and being in abusive relationships because uh, i think that's where uh, codependency is another uh, sort of behavior uh, pattern and cycle of behaviors that plays out. So somebody who is codependent is more, of course, also more likely to get into relationships that um, that are abusive, uh, where they um, uh, unconsciously um, maintain the cycle of abuse, enable the uh, abusive partner to be abusive. And I'm not saying that, uh, you know, I'm not uh, trying to blame here. I'm just trying to describe patterns that play out in the relationship but often um, um, for all the reasons that we have um, discussed in our previous podcasts about uh, abusive relationships and why it's so difficult to walk away from an abusive relationship so a codependency is another set of behaviors that plays out in these types of relationships yeah absolutely and I think you know, just in terms of things we can talk about just before we finish today's podcast, I think some mm -hmm. steps towards moving away from yeah. codependency. So you know, in terms of having a more balanced relationship, something that can be really important is both people taking just little steps even towards having some separation in relationship. And a part of that can be thinking about actually what do you really enjoy? What is important to you in life? What sort of hobbies or interests would you do that, that could give you pleasure? And sometimes we may put those needs so far away that it's difficult to find out what it is. But it's taking time and reflecting on that. Finding some hobbies or activities outside of a relationship and both engaging in them. Yeah, and I think the, the, I think the, way, uh, the way into recovery, so to speak, uh, moving away from codependency ultimately is about uh, developing more of a sense of self isn't it more self-awareness as you say more of a sense of what is it that I need what is it that pleases me um, it's allowing yourself to also have your needs met which is quite difficult to uh, to learn that isn't it is to um, to kind of really have some sense of um, who am I as a person what are my feelings to kind of tune into that to learn that to really um, be more focused on, on yourself as an individual and your needs. Yeah, absolutely. The person who's codependent also, they, if they spend more time with supportive friends mm. or family members as well, that can help them as well in terms of rather than feeling they have to constantly do, you know, be there and do things for the other person, that relationship. And in contrast, the person who's the enabler needs to think about, you know, how they don't enable the other person by allowing them to make mm. these sacrifices. Mm -hmm. So it's this two-way thing. Mm. And of course, this isn't easy. And mm. I think mm. usually, um, well, most of the time, probably it helps to have some help from outside with therapy or there are many organizations that mm. help people who are in codependent relationships mm. like um, CODA, which I'm not sure if that's 
just in the UK. I think it's uh, yeah, probably yeah. in other countries as yeah, well. Yeah, I imagine. Yeah, yeah. Mm. yeah but so there's quite a lot of organisations that you can look up and would encourage you to look up mm. for extra help if you feel that you you are in a codependent relationship. Yeah, because this will be a pattern that will play out again and again in uh, in all of your relationships because uh, it goes it dates back as we say it has old roots. So unless you kind of understand uh, where this behavior is coming from and what these particular behavior patterns are, you're likely to kind of repeat it again and again. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, so I think should we bring today to yeah. a close? Yeah. yeah. So thanks for tuning in today. And please press subscribe and recommend this podcast to anybody you think might benefit from it. Um, head over to our relate. Uh, head over to our website, therelationshipmaze.com, where you can take our free argument style quiz and discover your complex time relationships. Um, and tune in next week, and we look forward to speaking with you then. Take good care. Until then. <laughs>